This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of No Really, I'm Fine. I'm your host Gemma and thank you so much for joining me today. In this episode you'll hear from James Conlon. James tells us what it's like living with ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. He speaks about how it has impacted not only his physical health but also his mental health. It's important to remember the relationship between physical and mental health and how the two can often work together. In this episode, James explains how it affects him. If you're listening to this and would like support on Crohn's or ulcerative colitis diseases, then you can get in touch with the Crohn's and Colitis UK charity. Their number is on 01727830038. They'll also be speaking to us in this week's episode, so you can catch up with them later on in the programme. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you need help, help is out there. You can call Samaritans for free on 116 123. I'm joined today by James Conlon. How are you today, James? Are you really fine? I'm really good, thank you. I'm a little bit tired, but plodding along. Yeah, and you mentioned before you got a bit of a cold. Yeah, um, you know when things just literally come on and I feel like the past two weeks I've worked really hard and then I've literally like, I'm on a bit of a cunt down now where um, my body feels like it's just like giving way, so. It's that time of year as well, isn't it, when everyone gets... Yeah. So I know you from Twitter, don't I? And I follow you a lot and um, I just think you're a very inspirational person. But I haven't... Thank you. Yes, from what you tweet. But I haven't actually got to know your background and and your story really. And I'm sure most of our listeners are keen to to know as well. Do you want to talk me through your your illness, James, and, and, and what you have been going through? Is it for most of your life really? So um, I suppose sort of really when I um, when I started really struggling with my mental health, um, I, I was probably about like 13. School life was really hard. Um, I always found that I would like, I'd always revert to being friends with girls because I found them a lot easier to be friends with, even though girls can sometimes be maybe a little bit bitchy and nasty the guys seem to always be for me like they would antagonize me or 
they'd say things. I had a lot of comments about my sexuality, especially early on um, when I was starting secondary school. So I feel like when I really started to struggle with my mental health and then being diagnosed with depression later on, I feel like that's where it all really started, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think sometimes, especially when you're a kid as well, it's really difficult to know if what you're feeling is right or correct. You don't really ever grow up thinking that you're going to struggle mentally. And yeah. I feel that that's like that's a really hard thing. And I think that's what I really struggled with as well, because you, you end up thinking that there's something wrong with you for, for feeling this way. And I haven't really done anything wrong. I, I, I think for me, and I've always been one of those people, I actually find it really hard sometimes. Um, I don't know, I can be quite vocal about it on social media, but I actually find it hard not to take to heart what people say about me. And I think that's just part of being human as well. Yeah, and I suppose when, you, when you're when um, you a kid and you know, you're know going through something like that, you don't really want to tell anyone, do you? Because you know you you might think oh is this normal or is this what everyone goes through I mean I mean certainly when I was younger and I got bullied as well I just thought oh just it'll just go and then everything will be okay but it doesn't really go does it no um to be honest I've always found it like and I feel like that's why more and more now it sounds quite sad really because I feel like had I not have experienced those things when I was like 12 13 and being bullied and people like just referencing my sexuality I don't really think for me anyway I didn't really know like when I started secondary school who I was Mm. and to sort of then be to be kept being told that I fancied boys because I hung around with girls or I spoke differently to everybody else I just find it really hard to be able to you know wonder if the way I was feeling mentally was okay like I, I always find it really hard to approach it with my parents it just ended up I'd get home from school and I'd just be so angry because I'd been subjected to people just saying stuff about me all day mm. and it's just frustrating isn't it because like when you're that age you just don't know how to cope with those emotions how did that sort of progress as you as you were getting older through school then did you learn to sort of stand up to the bullies or did it carry on um to be honest as it like it did eventually stop, um, but it took a good couple of years. I think as, because I would either react first off or ju- just my... I wouldn't get upset. I wouldn't get visibly upset because I try not to in front of anybody. But I think it like the more I took less notice of it, the less people went ahead and did it. I feel like sometimes because I would always give a reaction that that wouldn't then make people say it more or... Um, it's really difficult because something like your sexuality is so personal to you mm. um and no one should be able to tell you who you are you should be able to find out yourself and I'd always struggled with well if people are saying something about me like that then surely it's true if someone tells you something enough if I tell you you know that I don't know you've got brown hair but you've got blonde hair do you know what I mean yeah. and I tell you enough times that you've got brown hair, you would then start to believe me. It's just one of those things, isn't it? And I find it really hard sometimes for people to understand that when people say something like that to you, it, it is ingrained in you. Like, you don't just forget about it. I'm talking about it now because I feel comfortable to talk about it. But if six, seven, ten years ago, um, I would have found it a lot more difficult to talk about it because I wasn't as accepting of who I was. Mm. 
it did stop in the end. I, I stayed at the same secondary school for sixth form and then no one was bothered about me then because most of the people that had been saying those things had either matured or left school to go somewhere else. So, mm. And at what point did you sort of realise or get comfortable with, with your sexuality? Um, I, to be honest, if you want my really honest opinion, it's only been in this, the past sort of, well, I'm 28 now, so it's only sort of been in the past five years. I like to feel like I'm not incredibly over the top and flamboyant. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But for me, that's not how I am. So mm. I would always find it really difficult to identify with who I was or how I should be feeling, who I should fancy, all of these things. Um, and I find people attractive. It doesn't matter whether they're male or female. I'm really drawn to someone's personality, so I'd rather that be the person I fall in love with rather than me generalise myself into this one person of sexuality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I feel like it's really important that, you know, like if you develop a connection with someone, for me it doesn't matter if they're male or female. It's about how we connect Yeah, and how you rather than... It's a tricky one, isn't it? No, but I, I totally I totally understand and get what you mean. You know, some people aren't comfortable with, oh, I'm gay or I'm, I'm bisexual or I'm, I'm a lesbian or but others, others yeah. are, aren't they? I feel like it is really hard and I, I feel like we label people now. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about this with my parents the other day. Everything has got a label now um, and you have to, labels can upset people as well and I feel like what I struggled with is the fact that people would always literally revert back to the same phrase that was like, oh, well, you're gay. Mm. And like I said before, if you hear it enough times, you just believe it. And it's unfair for someone of like any age anyway to be told who they are when they don't even know themselves. You should be able to be able to find out without feeling like your um, future's already been written for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly. Especially when you're still trying to figure out who you are at such an early age as well. I mean, like at 13 years old, you don't know like who you are. Mm. So in terms of the relationship between physical health and mental health, yeah. would you say you've got a good experience of that? Um, I believe so. So um, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is um, an inflammatory bowel disease, back in 2012. And I do feel like that sort of side of chronic illness, when you've got a physical but invisible illness, I think the relationship sometimes, like, don't get me wrong, when I was first diagnosed, I was really unwell. I was going to the toilet loads. There was blood in my stools. I was losing a lot of weight. My appearance was drastically changing. I couldn't socialise. All of these different things were actually a detriment to the way I was feeling mentally. I'd got myself in a decent enough place to be able to be comfortable with who I was, but I was physically unwell then. It sounds ridiculous, but sometimes you think back, like I'm so accepting of the fact that I have this disease now that when I was first diagnosed, I sort of thought, why me? You get that pity thing about it it sounds really ridiculous to say but you almost feel like why has this happened to me it can be like really debilitating because mentally you're literally just being presented with this fact that you have this lifelong illness that sometimes you can't really do a lot about mm. 
And I always feel like as time's gone on, especially over the past seven years, my relationship with my physical and mental health has probably got a lot better. When I'm not feeling very well physically, it has a definite impact on my mental health. But when I'm feeling all right, like I'm in a good period at the moment, ironically, I know we spoke about before the podcast that I've actually got a hospital appointment today yeah. um, and my hospital appointment is actually to find out if I can come off my medication which will be the first time in seven years wow. that I've been able to be medication free so fingers crossed that happens yeah. but um, I'll update you guys afterwards. So. Yeah that's a big step isn't it today? The big yeah. yeah and I feel like it's just really important like have I not been able to you know mentally get myself in a better place as well I wouldn't be in this position because a lot of my symptoms sometimes especially if I'm quite stressed out or quite upset can bring on a flare it's not always the case but if I've got a lot going on in my life whether I'm struggling to mentally cope then it will literally physically almost make me unwell. Mm. Talk to me about how it came about when you got diagnosed then was was there a period of you being really poorly before diagnosis and you were just wondering what was going on to be honest um it started really quickly like I I was really unwell so um when I was on we actually went on holiday as a family there was about like there was about 20 of us and we went to Tenerife it was for my granddad's birthday and literally I was so so unwell um I just spent most of my time in bed and at the time I was only was back in probably about late 2011 Mm. I was sharing a room with my parents and I was constantly having to go to the toilet but what I wasn't realizing and it sounds really grim and I'm sorry for anybody that's listening it's important um, to talk about these things I was just constantly bleeding to the Mm. extent that even when I was coming off the toilet there was still blood on the floor basically so Mm. you can work out what was happening and for me it was it was just a bit of a shock really and I was sort of in a state of what is that what is actually happening here even trying to eat anything like I was going to the toilet more than I was putting anything in my body so like I was struggling to eat because I knew that if I would eat I would just need to go to the toilet more and it's such a double-edged sword because obviously food is fuel for the body but when you're so ill and you try and you know like you're sick of being on the toilet anyway eating more food and then going to the toilet more is like it's ridiculous and I didn't really enjoy that holiday because I was so unwell and it ended up getting to the stage where both my mom and my sister just said you need to get this looked at because it's been happening for a bit now and you don't want to get to the stage where it gets too bad that you can't go back from it. Yeah, and it's not what you want when you're... Well, it's not what you want anyway, but it's not what you, what you want, especially when you're abroad, is it? You know, no, to, no, no. <laughs> to, to not know what's going on either. Um, yeah. I'm guessing you you lost a lot of weight then because you almost had that fear of, of eating because of the yeah. situation. I've got so many photos of where my weight fluctuates. At the minute, I'm probably the biggest I've been in a while but that's because my bowel is quite healthy mm. um but I, I do really feel like sometimes that um I've been really skinny like I've, I remember wearing like a 30 inch waist jeans which I'd never been able to get into since I was younger but I was like I wasn't well like I like I wasn't eating properly suffering with a physical 
illness that can make you, your weight fluctuate sometimes can be so hard on you mentally you know like good old facebook memories um yeah. not everybody's favorite thing not my no. favorite thing either. <laughs> no. but so many things um it's good because you know you forget things happen and it is really good but um a lot of posts pop up within the past six years which is like near enough the the time i've been unwell mm. of like m- me when i was unwell and how skinny i was and it sounds stupid sometimes but when you look at these photos you look and you think I was actually really ill there, but then there's that like niggling thought in the back of your head being like, I liked the way I looked. It sounds so, I don't even know how to describe it. No, I totally, Um, totally get, yeah, yeah. And like, I think that's a distorted relationship with body image. Mm. Sometimes I'll talk about my body image, like I'll post a photo, um, I've done it quite a a bit over the past sort of six months of where I'm not feeling very well or where, you know, I am struggling with my body image a little bit because I feel like it's really important um, regardless of your gender to be able to be like, this is my body. I might not like it at the minute, but I'm still here. Yeah. So, um, and it's really important. And I think we underestimate sometimes how much we can just pick flaws in ourselves and our body image. I know for, for certain that, my body's not in a place where I want it to be but I'm also I'm still diagnosed with an illness so like it's one of those things it's a bit of a swing and roundabout really because like if I do get unwell then my illness takes precedent to me like wanting to look good really like yeah I think it can be very superficial sometimes and I think that's what I've struggled with because this we there's still so much talk about positive body image and people like looking their best and like you just look at the front of a magazine or something like that and, and I find it difficult as a man because if you go and pick up I don't know let's just say men's health or something. um yeah something like that there is never a chubby guy on the front of those magazines no there isn't is there um and for me, it's not about, you know, like being chubby or that being sexy or whatever. It's not like a superficial thing for me. It's about representation of people in their form of who they are. It doesn't matter if someone's like um, bigger than the average person. For me, it's about what that person is bringing to the table. There are so many people doing amazing things that don't necessarily fit in with the normality of someone that's got like, some abs or something like that and that's what that's why I struggle a lot with the whole body image aspect because I do feel like sometimes we so focus on people that you know oh my god look at this person they've lost they've just lost six stone or something like that and for me it's about maintaining a positive outlook on body image I'd never say like I'm truly really comfortable with the way I look all the time but for me I know that my body has been and goes through quite a lot physically and mentally so it's about appreciating for me how we look at that and it can be distorted sometimes I'm not always that positive about it so yeah definitely but like on social media I feel like it should be filled more with real real life and you know this this is a picture of my body this is who I am I carry it around with me every day but it's not is it and I know exactly how you feel because it's whenever I post a, a, a picture or a selfie of myself with no makeup on, you know, because Instagram's just yeah. full of full of girls with makeup on, and then I try and do that to be positive and remain like this is me. But then it's like that instant 
regret as soon as you've posted it or worry or like, oh my God, what have I just done? And it's, it's, it shouldn't be like that. No, definitely. It's, I, I feel like social media, I'll be honest, sometimes like I do have my periods where like, I think it gets to me more than I let on. Um, and I have to be really careful because then that's very detrimental to the way I feel. It might not be anybody doing anything to me, but it can be the way I'm feeling mentally can then um, trigger something in me that makes me feel even worse when I'm scrolling through social media. And social media is absolutely amazing. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it no. wasn't for social media. However, I do feel like it's a, it's a good 50-50 where it can be at least as negative as it is good. Um, and the less we start seeing a lot more negativity surrounding things, you get these stupid posts that people write about that, you know, depression is just people's excuse and all of these things like stuff that I can't help but react to but then I'll think back and then I'm like well I shouldn't have really reacted to that because that's what that person wants but for me there's so like there's so many negatives and sometimes they can outweigh the positives and I definitely noticed that my relationship with myself mentally can sometimes be really affected by um my use of social media mm. I like I'll have periods throughout the year I'll log off social media. I actually find it really hard. It sounds ridiculous, but... No, it um, doesn't. No, I, I can't with work. <laughs> social media is an absolute lifeline for some people. Yeah. And I do feel like sometimes that I rely on it quite a lot. I have an amazing family. I have a really good group of friends. But sometimes like social media is just a bit of an escape. And I, I'm really bad at cutting myself off from it all sometimes. And then I find it difficult to be like, well, what do I actually do with my time sometimes? Because I'm so engrossed in, like, checking my Twitter or, you know, like, um, checking my messages on Facebook, these sort of things. And then I, I sort of think back when I'm, like, feeling quite upset or negative about it all. And then I'm like, why am I so drawn into it sometimes? I feel like sometimes that it, even me cutting myself off from it can make me feel worse mentally. And it's just like... It, it's a it's like a big massive wave of just absolute not even distress but just uncertainty because you're thinking why have I just done that because then I'm cutting off any lifeline of support that I could have had as well it's really I don't know it's like a love-hate relationship isn't it yeah I'm I am I can 75% say that like I can connect with so many amazing people and love it but then there's 25% of the time where there is a lot of negativity I, I feel like sometimes there is people out there that will literally just create an account just to get under someone's skin I know you're friends with um, the lovely Hattie who's on Twitter as well and she, she mentioned how someone's created a, an account just to troll and send her abuse which is just awful and I, I still can't believe that happens it's just for me it's just about and these accounts seem to pop up more and more recently like I was looking to who they're talking to as well and the sad thing for me is that nine times out of ten the people that they're um actually like not interacting with but sending these nasty messages or like trying to hit out at someone's character for something they're doing these accounts are usually just made to do that. And it's so 
important that we try and ignore it. I get it sometimes as well. Like, ironically, some of the same accounts that do it to Hattie mm. tend to do it to a lot of other people that talk about their mental health because I'll scroll down their tweets and I'll look and it's nine times out of ten the same people. Mm. Um, and I, I just don't really get it, to be honest, because it's someone's personal experience that they're writing. I don't use Twitter to, you know, like, I'm not gaining anything from talking about like my mental health or my physical health on Twitter I'm using what platform I have however small or large to make sure that you know I can convey my message in a way that might actually help somebody yeah um and for people to then you know like Hattie does some incredible things and I I feel like when people are just so nasty towards someone that does that it actually I, I don't know how they feel like it's actually gonna help Mm. that person do you know what I mean like it won't help that person but it's also I do sometimes ironically feel sorry for these people that are making these accounts because they obviously maybe are struggling themselves but they're, they're going the wrong way about getting support or anything and they're using their feelings sometimes as a negative yeah um we can't always blame them for that because people handle their emotions in different ways. But I think it's just sad that we have to attack people for like, you know, the way they're feeling or, you know, if someone's, someone's presented an opportunity, why shouldn't we be happy for them? Why should we be negative about it? A lot. I don't know. My relationship is with social media is distorted because sometimes you get people that are so nasty I've had ridiculous comments before when I've posted like really frank videos. I, I think it was, um, I think it was not like maybe around this time last year, I posted a video of me. I was away in a hotel for work and I'd had like a really stressful couple of days and my mental health wasn't fantastic anyway. So I got really upset. So I thought, you know what? I, I think sometimes as well, I just, I feel like I should do it. And then I'm, I, I instantly regret it. I posted a video of like me being upset on twitter and Mm. it actually got like a really nice response but there were some people that literally just went to the extent of you know giving it a quote tweet and just like saying some really nasty things yeah and i I just sometimes think you know like why do we end up talking about these things so much for people to be so negative and small-minded about it Mm. i'd never do that like to somebody if i knew they weren't feeling great and if I knew them personally, I'd probably just drop them a message instead of, you know, like publicly saying, oh, I hope you're okay. So I just, I don't know. Like, I definitely feel like my mental health sometimes has a quite, like, can be knocked very easily by mm. the way I use social media. Yeah. And going back to, um, forgive me, I can't say the word, is it ul- ulcerative? Ulcerative. Ulcerative colitis. Yeah. So after you got diagnosed with that, James, how how did it affect you physically? What are some of the symptoms that you, that you sort of have on a regular basis, or has that been managed much more now through medication? So um, ulcerative colitis, for anybody that doesn't know, is um, an inflammatory bowel disease, um, and it mainly affects the large bowel, so your colon. Um, and what basically happens, and it sounds really, it's basically, the only way I can describe it in layman's terms is your body is attacking that certain area of itself. So 
essentially it's your body trying to keep itself healthy but then making you unwell as well which is like the most ridiculous thing yeah why but, does that you know, even exist I know, honestly, most autoimmune diseases are the same because it's your body trying to fight off something that it thinks is there but isn't, then makes yourself, then makes you ill. It's it's ironic, really, but, you know, you dealt the card that you've got, so you just have to get on with it. Quite a lot of the symptoms, can they can vary between people. Like, I always, you always have to make that completely clear because everybody has such varying symptoms. Stuff from, like... The main thing is you you do you are going to the toilet quite a lot, but it's not like a fully formed stool, so you tend to get very watery stools that can be mucousy, or you're losing a lot of blood, which then obviously you know if you're losing blood, um, is not always ideal because then you like things like anemia can develop and it can just make you physically unwell, like you are losing weight, so if you're not putting enough of the right things into your body, because then they will maybe trigger this, you're like your diet's affected. Um, there is so many different things for me. Like one of the things I always really struggled with and probably still do is because your body's so like, like trying to fight how you're feeling, but you're also exhausted from, I don't know, going to the toilet. Like people can go to the toilet any time from like for, for, you know, a number two, um, anytime from like five to like 30 times a day. And wow. I don't think it, it sounds ridiculous, but that's like generally what can happen. It might be a little bit or it might be a lot. Um, I always struggled with fatigue and just making sure that, you know, like even though you're feeling unwell and you're getting, you're getting rested, your body's still like fighting all the time. So you never feel that, refreshed if that makes sense yeah um it's really i don't know it that's what i've always found difficult and especially if you like if you're not feeling your best it like it just affects everything then um like we mentioned before now i'm in a lot better place the medication that i'm currently on i've been on for two years i have to go in like every eight weeks and um just sit in like an open like nursing bay um and just have like some it's like it's a drug that's basically a fluid that goes through like an iv line so that's usually about an hour for every eight weeks but like i said today i'm going to find out whether i can be medication free for the first time mm. since being diagnosed which is a massive milestone yeah. so um i feel like now my physical health has got a lot better i'm not like going to the toilet as much anymore so it, like my relationship with my physical illness is a lot better than it's ever been so what's your diet been like then is there certain um, things that you've had to not eat anymore or drink anymore i feel like i feel like with people like it's so dependent and there's always a massive conversation like around diet because sometimes like there, there can be a real lack of understanding with people about like is it basically because of your diet the reason you're not very well or you're going to the toilet loads and all of these things for me I always found that um like sometimes cutting out things wouldn't work some foods necessarily aren't always triggers um and you can just generally be unwell from like you might not eat anything for the whole day and you're still going to the toilet so sometimes you 
medical um, interventions that you can do to try and and you you have all of these medical um, diets that you can do, um, like low FODMAP diets, so making sure like you're not having too much fiber. I always sort of found that dairy would sometimes make me more unwell and I feel like that happens with a lot of people regardless of whether you've got ulcerative colitis or not like dairy can be one of those things that's a real sticking point for people um so I always find that I don't try and have as much dairy within my diet but it's really trial and error like if you know that something's going to affect you you just really avoid having it but say for instance if I have a, a pizza from Domino's with loads of cheese on it because I want the pizza, I'm going to have it. But then sometimes I might know that I'm going to be unwell. Mm. But I've always been one of those people that, like, if I want something, I will have it. But I then will have to just deal with the way I'm feeling afterwards. And I never advocate that to anybody. But sometimes, you know, if you want, like, a, like a, not a greasy pizza, but you know what I mean, like, yeah. just, just something, like, different, then it's always really good to try those things if they do make you unwell and then it's not worth the pain that you're feeling then that's fine but it's just the way you're managing it really um my diet's all never been fantastic i always have this um conversation with my consultant and we um like i've never really changed my diet like since i've been diagnosed i've i've never really liked vegetables that much i'm not a massive fruity uh it, like even when i was a kid i wasn't really into like vegetables or fruit still not i'm 28 years old now um <laughs> it's just one of those things that like i've never really changed my diet um and if i if i have it's only because i've noticed that these things sometimes make may trigger me feeling more unwell but it's just it's trial and error really mm. and and going back to twitter james and you, you have um quite a large following don't you on twitter you have almost is it nineteen thousand followers nearly i think there's a i think it's about eighteen thousand. yeah which is which is quite a lot and and it's fantastic to know that you're it must be fantastic to know that you're supporting that many people but is it a bit daunting as well <sighs> I've always found it my like my Twitter following grew quite quickly. Um, so over sort of the past two years, I like I started to use Twitter a lot more. Um, and we were talking about Hattie earlier. Mm. Um, and she she's very vocal about um her mental illnesses and talking about mental health and life with chronic illness. And she sort of inspired me really to start talking about the way I was feeling and like what I was going through um and for me it just sort of snowballed really but like you say um I actually do find it quite daunting and I'm not afraid to admit it because if you tweet something out um and it's not always not well received as such but if you're not feeling too great there's two sides of the sword really because you have to be so careful that you're not like going to trigger somebody else but also you you need support as well and um, and it can just be really daunting because you don't know even if you're really excited about something um you don't know how something's going to be received or people can completely take things the right or wrong way on social media and for me like it can all sometimes it can be like you can have such a negative impact and it's not the way you were expecting it to be so it's Mm. definitely you know I really appreciate like people who interact with me and follow me and like 
I'm overwhelmed that that many people are actually interested in what I've got to say, to be honest, because <laughs> like when I'm tweeting about like I'm, I'm a celebrity or, you know, something else, um, I'm not actually that interesting. But um, it's nice to know that people like want to hear what you've got to say sometimes. Um, but I also think it's really important to have some balance as well. So like, like I said, I won't always tweet about it because I, like, I don't want it to be Your all whole life. Something. Yeah, it's not like it's a it's personal social media as well. So it's not like I'm not doing it on behalf of anybody. So it is my personal experience and everybody is different. So I've always found it that like I'll just talk about the way I'm feeling or the issues that I feel are important rather than me doing it because, you know, like I feel like that's pe- what people want to hear. Mm. And you also run two other Twitter accounts, don't you, which is Men Talk Monday. And yeah. me and IBD and the Men Talk Monday is it's a fairly new one, isn't it? Yeah, so um, I sort of um came up with the idea for Men Talk Monday because um I'm like I'm a massive advocate, as you know, of um men's mental health and getting men to talk more. Um, I'm one of those people that you know would like would have. 10 years ago not even spoken about the way I was feeling just purely because I think like like we always say society can then end up like not always being accepting of a man feeling that way we're getting a lot better at it but there's still so much work and mental Monday just came from like the idea of you look social media is really huge and especially um with twitter um there's a lot of people out there that will just genuinely reach out so mental monday was sort of like set up on a whim i was trying to think of something that i could do that you know would help interact with more people there's so many people doing amazing things out there but i sort of wanted to like go straight into being like well men aren't talking and we look at like suicide figures and stuff like that um and how can we get people talking more so um don't get me wrong it can be really difficult sometimes to maintain a full-time job and be running like side projects to try and help people but it can be really rewarding sometimes when you just get a direct message being like i'm really grateful for just even reading the replies to some of these tweets because that's the way i'm feeling um and for me it's just important to get people especially men talking about the way they feel if they don't want to talk about it openly whether that's in like a direct message or, you know, they're just comfortable in saying, you know what, look, I'm struggling. I don't really want to talk about it. But just knowing that something like someone's doing something to help, that's always really important as well. Like, I don't know. Um, I feel like if you don't try these things sometimes that you never know whether something will work or not. So, mm. And the, the toilet me and IBD, did that come about after... After you got diagnosed, the the other Twitter account. Yeah, so um, probably about five years ago now, um, I wanted to connect with people who had Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and um, I sort of had a look um on Facebook, looking at what people were doing, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to set up my own little campaign, see, like see how it goes we'll see what we can do first of all it just started off as like a little bit of fun um and just like interacting with people like 
trying to be a little bit more relaxed and not too serious. Um, and then it just sort of snowballed, really. I really wanted to start, like, fundraising for Crohn's and Colitis UK, who are the national UK charity that deal with inflammatory bowel disease. Um, and I really wanted to just, you know, do something a little bit different. So we just did, like, little bits of, like, fundraising, whether we did, like, a little, like, raffle or whatever or... Look, it could be anything. People were doing like personal challenges, whether they were like doing like marathons or runs or anything. Um, and we just started like fundraising together, really. Um, and I just like it's just important sometimes. Social media, like we've said before, it's amazing to connect with people. And I've got so many friends that like Hattie I only know because we suffer we suffer from the same illness mm. um and one of my other really good friends as well um I know through the community so we underestimate sometimes how even though you have this ridiculous illness um how it can bring people together um, yeah. it's super important that you're able to even if it's not like a lifelong lasting friendship that you're able to interact with people that know you're feeling the same yeah. Um, with the toilet, me and IBD, we just we just ended up like fundraising for the charity for a while, and I feel like with me, I sort of just wanted to raise awareness of what like I was going through. I I was quite ignorant about it when I was first diagnosed because I didn't really know what it was, and I didn't really understand the seriousness of it. Um, and it was for me, it was just really important, like. I do talk a lot anyway, as you can tell by this podcast. <laughs> no. um, but it's really important to talk about things that are affecting you because otherwise you just end up, um, you will just end up feeling really unwell. Like mentally that takes so much out of you when you're just not talking about it. And mm -hmm. I feel like had I not have been quite open, maybe too open sometimes talking about um my ulcerative colitis i wouldn't have dealt with it as well as i feel i have so yeah yeah exactly and later on today is is a big day for you isn't it do you almost sort of have to prepare yourself mentally just in case you know you go in and it isn't the news you want or i've been thinking about this a lot over the past couple of days and having a couple of conversations with my friends like for me like i'm feeling like it, it can be like quite a double-edged sword because if I am coming off my medication, that's amazing. And I'll probably will have a little cry later on if that's what happens, just purely because it's taken seven years to get to a stage where I can come off medication and feel like my ulcerative colitis will not go away. Um, but I can feel as healthy as possible with it, if that makes sense. It's really hard to describe. But um, also, if I... Like, if I go in there and I'm told, you you know what, we're taking you off it. There's also that niggly bit in the back of your head that's like, well, what happens if I get unwell pretty quickly? Mm. Um, we, we're blessed to have an amazing NHS, but quite a lot of these medications are funded. So to be able to get back on a medication when there isn't funding for it straight away can be really difficult. So for me, it's just like there, there's a little bit of anxiety there because I'm really excited about the fact that I could come off medication and it could be like a really nice start to my 2020. However, I'm also really scared that I could become unwell again mm. because you never know what's going to happen. 
And I don't know, it's, it's a tricky one. I'm quite nervous, but you've just got to wait and see because you just don't know. You can't predict what someone's going to say. So you've just got to wait and hear them out, really. One thing I did want to ask you, if someone else is going through a similar condition to you, but they haven't been diagnosed yet, and yeah. you know they're feeling quite mentally ill as well, and it's impacting the mental health, what sort of advice would you give to them? I feel like if you're suffering physically or mentally with anything, it is so, so important. If you don't feel like you can talk to anybody close to you, it's about talking to someone. doesn't matter if you want to talk to your doctor or you want to phone a charity like the Samaritans, like just talking. I'm not saying, you know, like that it's going to completely change overnight, but it's talking to those people, getting the right advice, getting those things in place that you're able to start moving on and like feeling better, but also, you know, looking after yourself and like, practicing a lot of self-care like I am a massive advocate for making sure that you know self-care is really important to me so sometimes like someone will invite me out on a night out and I'll be like no I'm having a bath I'm watching a movie (laughs) just purely because for me that's that's how I can get through things especially if I'm not feeling great like a bath for me sorts quite a lot of things right (laughs) so um yeah it's just really important I think to make sure that you know be kind to yourself because you're doing amazing, but also don't be afraid to um, to reach out for that support, whether you just want to tell someone the way you're feeling. Um, if you are really struggling, there is so many great like charities out there, whether it's for physical illness or you're struggling mentally. It's just about finding those avenues and making sure that, you know, you're using them to their advantage that they're there to give you the support so um just looking after yourself really that's one massive piece of advice for me like I was so neglectful of how I was so you have to look after yourself before you look after anybody else and that's that's a great point to end on James thank you so much for your time today it's been lovely chatting to you I feel like I could chat to you forever but I am conscious you uh, need to get to the hospital and hopefully it's all good news so thank you so much for joining us thank you I'm Ruth Wakeman. I'm Director of Information and Support Services at Crohn's and Colitis UK. Thank you very much for joining us, Ruth. Um, So we're here today to talk about the charity and talk about the support services that you guys offer. Now, can you briefly explain what the charity is all about and and how you help people with, with these conditions? Um, yes, of course. So we're the UK's leading charity for Crohn's and colitis. Um, so we're here for everyone that's affected by Crohn's and colitis. Um, we work to improve diagnosis and treatment and to fund research into a cure. And we also raise awareness and give people hope, comfort and confidence so that they can live freer, fuller lives. We're a charity. We rely on donations to carry out our work. Um, we couldn't do the work that we do without the generosity of the general public. And can you just briefly tell me, for those who might not know who are listening, what Crohn's and colitis is, what exactly it is? So Crohn's and So the full names are Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. 
um, and they're the two main forms of inflammatory bowel disease. So these are lifelong diseases of the gut. So when you have Crohn's or colitis, your immune system doesn't work properly and the body starts attacking itself, which causes ulcers and inflammation in the gut. So these are really painful, debilitating conditions that are widely misunderstood and there is no known cure. And they don't just affect the gut, so they can affect almost every part of your body and every aspect of your life. So digestion, joints, energy levels and mental health. And so that means they can affect many parts of your life as well, from education and work to relationships. Mm. How many people roughly are affected by the illness in, in the UK? Well, it's very likely that someone you know has Crohn's and colitis. So in the UK, it's one person in about 210 has Crohn's and colitis. So that means over 300,000 people in the UK have the condition. And the real number could actually be almost double that. The number of children being diagnosed is also increasing. And you can be diagnosed at any age, but most people are diagnosed between the ages of 10 to 39. So that means that growth, education, work prospects are often negatively impacted. So it can affect anyone then? Absolutely, yes. So what sort of, you mentioned before that it's quite a debilitating illness. I imagine it has quite a big impact on mental health then. Yes, that's right. And we know that there is a correlation between people with a history of depression and those diagnosed with Crohn's and colitis. Um, And we know that Crohn's and colitis is associated with mental health problems and in particular depression. So do you guys offer support services for not only, you know, helping people with the illness, but also with mental health as well? Yes. Shall shall I just tell you a little bit more about some of the mental health concerns that people with Crohn's and colitis might have? Yeah, of course. So a, a wide range of issues, really. So thinking about body image, for example, people may have surgery scars, they might have weight gain from medicines, and they may have to um, wear a bag, a stoma bag. Um, Another issue to do with mental health concerns is anxiety. So people will need um, the toilet urgently. So finding a toilet in time, having symptoms at work, um, worries about how that affects their social life and their careers. Um, And people can end up very isolated. So they may feel too unwell or too anxious to leave home. So that has an impact on socialising and being a real burden on friends. And of course, having what feels like never-ending symptoms like pain can cause depression um, and even eating disorders because they may need to restrict food groups that can cause particular symptoms. And then thinking about sex and relationships. So when do you tell a new partner having scars and the fear of having an accident as well? Mm. Um, And we know that depression and anxiety can prevent people accessing the healthcare that they need. So that can lead to poorer outcomes for them as well. Mm. It must be be really hard because, you know, on the one hand, you've got this debilitating illness and then you've got to... Sorry, you've just faded away a little bit there. Oh, right. Okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yes. Yes. I was just saying it must be really hard because on the one hand, you've got this debilitating illness, but then you've also got to cope with all the mental health problems that can come with it as well. That's right. So that that's really a, a, an extra factor that people have to, to deal with. And we know that it, there is a link there. Because mm, James was saying as well before when he first, before he got diagnosed, when he was going through the illness, he was almost too scared to eat because he didn't want to go to the toilet a lot. So that, I suppose that's where the, the anxiety comes in for a lot of people as well. 
That's right. And we, we do hear, hear that from people who are affected by the illness and, and the anxiety as well, you know, being worried that you may have an accident or you may not be able to get to the toilet in time. Um, so that can be a real um, factor that can affect people's social life and work and the mental health. Mm. So what, what support services do does Crohn's and Clitus UK offer? So we offer a wide range um, of services to support people with the illness and also people who are affected by the illness. So that might include family members and friends as well. So we have a helpline team um, and they're available Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, and the team can be contacted by phone, email or live chat. And our number for the helpline is 0300 222 57. Zero, zero. So the helpline team offers support and information to people affected by the conditions um, and really they, they can be asked um, a whole range of questions by people who call or contact them. And we also offer an emotional support service and that's a service that's provided by volunteers with personal experience of Crohn's or colitis. Um, so it's a chance for someone to talk to someone else who has experience of the condition um, and for someone to listen and give them support. Mm. We also um, arrange events. Sorry. Sorry, just broke up a bit there, but no, that's fine. Carry on, sorry. (laughs) Okay, are you okay for me to carry on? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so um, we also arrange events, so family days, um, we have something called Walk It, and we have uh, um, over 50 local networks across the UK. So that's a really good way of people finding a community and reducing isolation and talking to people who understand. And on our website, we've got a huge range of information. So we've got leaflets, we've got booklets um, covering all topics. And and that really helps people to understand and manage their condition. Um, And we've also got information on there about counselling and how to access it. And we're also running some campaigns um, to support people so we have a campaign called not every disability is visible and that's to tackle discrimination around accessible toilet access so that people can feel less anxious about leaving home Um, so we've had signs installed and and we know that 80 percent of people with Crohn's or colitis feel more comfortable visiting places with the not every disability is visible sign installed And we also have a great um, talking toolkit called It Takes Guts, um, which can help you start your own personalised conversation about Crohn's and colitis. Um, So some tips on how to talk to other people about your condition and your mental health. And we have a fantastic social media community, which I'm sure James has spoken about as well. So we have um, Instagram, which is at Crohn's and Colitis UK. Um, And people share their stories there and that can be really comforting, inspiring and empowering and helps people to feel that they're not alone. And we're also um, leading work on new standards, so the new IBD standards, and that's to make sure that the NHS carries out, um, makes sure that sets out what high quality care looks like. We've done that work with 17 other organisations and the standards includes um, a statement that the NHS should be carrying out a mental health assessment for everyone with Crohn's and colitis. So a lot of support there. Absolutely, huge range of support. um, And we have fantastic supporters and members who help to make all this work possible. So going back to 
the illness then what what would you um say are the initial symptoms of of, of you know Crohn's and colitis so firstly, it's important to remember that no experience of Crohn's or colitis is the same. Um, but common symptoms can include urgent and frequent um, diarrhea, bloody diarrhea, um, severe pain, extreme fatigue, um, malnutrition and dramatic weight loss. Um, and the conditions are lifelong. People will experience periods of remission when their symptoms are largely under control but also flare-ups where they have active and really debilitating symptoms. So what are the main problems, would you say, that people with the illness face? So these conditions are painful, um, debilitating, widely misunderstood, um, and there is no known cure. So people who have the condition are facing a lifetime of medication, and in many cases that may include also major surgery. So if the medication side effects are too challenging or if medication isn't helping and people keep getting flare-ups, then they may need surgery to remove um, the affected part of the gut. And if a significant part of the gut is removed, a stoma is often required. And a stoma is when the bowel is brought to the surface of the abdomen and a, an opening is made so that the waste drains into a bag mm -hmm. so that somebody is using a bag. There are also um, complications of the conditions as well. So that could include strictures, perforations, fistulas, and these often can require surgery to be treated. And it's also really important to remember that Crohn's and colitis doesn't just affect your gut. So it can affect many parts of the body. So somebody's eyes, joints, energy levels, as well, of course, their mental health can be affected. And this means that many parts of somebody's life could be affected. So thinking about education, work and relationships. So if people want to find out more about the charity, where can they go and, and get in touch? And if even if they want to donate to you guys as well? Yes, that I mean, that would be great. There's many ways to make a difference. Um, so you can look at our website, which is www.cronesandcolitis.org.uk. And you can also access all our fantastic resources and support on the website. Or you can call 01727 734485 to donate. <laughs>